Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Food Flow, the podcast dedicated to the in-depth exploration of the beautiful world of food. My name is Ivor Marjarison from thefoodflow.com, and I am joined here today by a man who is dedicated to promoting a holistic model of health that beautifully intertwines food, farming, and fitness, Dr. Jeremy Princey from holisticlifestyler.com. Jeremy, great to have you on the show. Cool, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, excited to be here. Uh, so today, the topic is something that's been gaining a lot of attention in the nutritional world lately, the human microbiome and gut health, which is basically referring to the microbes and bacteria living in our bodies and the roles they play in our health. We'll also be discussing fermentation, a traditional food preparation method that creates living probiotic foods that are loaded with beneficial bacteria, the consumption of which many people are turning to as a means to repair and promote their gut health. But before we dive into all that fun stuff, Jeremy, I'd love to hear your sort of food story. How did you become the holistic lifestyler? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I guess, um, you know, being a chiropractor and going through chiro school, I've always sort of been involved in um, in, in the health scene um, in many ways. And I, I once I finished university, I... I mean, I'll keep it condensed. I sort of came across the Czech Institute, so Paul Czech's work, um, who's obviously based over in the States where you are, um, and I went to a workshop by a Czech holistic lifestyle coach that he was running, and one of the things that he touched on was fermented foods, um, and this is all this was all, all new to me. I mean, my, my training through university was very much, um, you know, the allopathic medical model and nutrition model where it's you know carbohydrates fats proteins and you know macronutrients and that sort of stuff and you know these more functional foods like fermented foods and the microbiome wasn't wasn't covered at all um so anyway that's that was all new to me and um i was i had i'd just come off the back of antibiotics and was had a systemic bacterial infection so i wasn't too great at that point in time with health-wise Prior to that, I you know never really had any troubles with my health, but um, I think all the stresses of of, the, of university and finishing up and all that sort of took me down. But anyway, this guy um, who was holding the event, he was just you know a specimen and a picture of health. Like to, and to this day, probably one of the, the healthiest guys I've ever seen. You know, in real life, probably up there in the top three, I'd say. Um, so I just thought, well, you know, whatever this guy has to say is obviously you know doing something right, and I'll, I'll take it on board. Um, and it was a bit of a bit of a shake up and a bit of a shock to me because a lot of the stuff that he was saying really challenged and went against my my pre, um, preconceived um, way of food philosophy, I suppose, and um, and also training as well with exercise. So I sort of you know was, fell into the the marketing game a bit and um, you know went went through all the protein powders and pre workouts, post workouts, all those things that you know claim to have all these awesome benefits and, and that sort of stuff. Whereas this guy was very clean. It was all about, you know, real food, fermented foods and um, all that sort of stuff. So um, I guess, yeah, I just sort of thought, well, oh, well, he's, he's doing something right. He looks amazing and, and everything. So I went cold turkey and just ditched all the, the preconceived dogma and um, got rid of all the protein powders and just went and basically went paleo from there. Um, and in, in introduce fermented foods, um, and then you know bit by bit, anyone who's 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 got into fermented foods will, will tell you 
you start with something and before you know it your um you know your kitchen bench top turns into a <laughs> something looking like a, a science experiment and science lab with things growing and fermenting and bubbling and brewing away and with myself I just ended up getting getting to the point where I'd where you know now in the process of writing a book and doing much more research on it so you know kind of the whole house and shed and everything's you know science lab but um yeah so that's that's kind of the the background as to where where it all came from for me so that's and that's kind of where you are now the i know the fermentation is is one of the the bigger aspects of your holistic lifestyler uh brand and i know you do some workshops and stuff but and before we kind of get into the details of fermentation um, I think a good place to start for people might just kind of be breaking it down with uh, kind of what the gut health is and what microbiome is, kind of what what's the problem that fermentation is seeking to address. Yeah, it, it is, you know, really just one, fermented foods really are one component of, um, you know, the whole microbiome and the whole gut health um, thing that's going on. So I guess... Um, you know, we're just seeing so much, so much more research coming out now, looking at the importance of um, the microbiome. So that you know, symbiotic relationship that we have with um, bacteria, yeast, um, and all those those different microorganisms, um, and you know, some real staggering and quite profound research is coming out, and, and some pretty amazing figures. I mean, if you look, just look at the, the sheer stats of it. There's in the order of a hundred trillion bacteria living in the in the gut. They outnumber our human human cells by something like ten to one. So there's ten times ten, you know, microbial cells to our our one human cell. And if you look at the, you know, the genetic component of that, um, you know, we sh- you know we're, we're something in the order of ninety nine percent of ninety nine percent of um, the DNA on the on the human on and in the human body is is bacterial. So you know, really, we're much 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 more microbe than we are human if you look at it from the from dna and and um yeah from from that from that level so you know we've been sort of fixated on with research in looking at you know the human human genes and trying to address address health from just looking at you know human cells and human genes and things like that whereas if you consider this you know those figures that 99 percent of dna is is microbial then you know, we've been missing a, a big part of the picture. So a lot more research is coming out now with all that. Um, and, you know, you, you, you'll see in the next 10 years how um, more, I guess, popularized in the medical field this, this will start being. Well, and that's, and that's that's what it does seem. It seems like it's, it's a topic that, like you said, we don't really necessarily know a lot about, about right now, but it is something that's gaining a lot of speed. And you've seen it with, like, the GAPS diet, um, obviously very specifically deals with it. And a lot of people are talking about leaky gut and things like that. But uh, it is interesting, like you said, to think about uh, this fact that microbial DNA, we have more of it than our own. And so to not look at that in terms of nutrition, it, like you said, it's a big missing piece in, in optimizing human health. Um, mm, absolutely. Well, and I think, uh, and, and it's kind of interesting to think how we sort of got here. And when I've heard uh, Sandra Katz, who's a, a big... Uh, proponent of fermentation he kind of talks about the recent war on bacteria and it's this concept like that we like we have this mindset that bacteria is bad like we should kill all bacteria and that's really not the case right i mean there's a lot of good bacteria i mean a lot of it's in us 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's where it comes back to that whole symbiotic relationship. So in other words, living in unison with all these bacteria, good, bad, or indifferent, really. So if you, like, you know, as Sandal says, you know, this war on bacteria. So if you if you look at it as a war, as, a, as opposed to a place of communication and love, I suppose, <laughs> then, then you, you know, if you, if you go down that sanitation model and, you know, try and sterilize everything and clean everything and to, to, you know, to finite details, then you're wiping out the good, good bacteria and which generally would live in that close relationship with the bad and, and help naturally, you know, ward, ward those pathogens off. So, you know, we went through that phase of germ theory and um, we realized that that was, you know, incorrect in many ways and that, um, you know, antibiotics, whilst necessary in certain cases, um, we're you know, certainly seeing the, the collateral damage that's come out of that, um, the over-prescription over and um, the issues that have gone with that. Obviously, you know, antibiotics will wipe out everything and for the most part. Um, some are more selective than others, but you're, when you wipe out your good bacteria, then you're basically leaving a, an open canvas, really, for any opportunities opportunistic organism to come in and and um, take over the environment whereas if you have a good diverse microbiome on your skin in your gut all that sort of stuff then you're giving yourself every possible chance naturally to 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 ward off those pathogens and, and i guess in a basic sense you're i mean it's using good bacteria to fight bad bacteria um and i i think a, a great example of this did you uh did you recently catch the article i forget what news source it was on about um using kind of uh exposing c-section born babies with uh their mother's like fluids so that they were getting that bacteria that uh, a regularly birthed baby would have been exposed to yeah and what they basically found was um yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a whole another podcast in itself, and right, another right. <laughs> another another discussion. But basically, if you look at the two ways of being born naturally through the vaginal canal, um, the baby's fit because the the in the womb it's all sterile basically. So when it when when the baby comes out, it's getting that first um, dosage of uh, microbes basically through the the, the vaginal canal, uh, and that's been shown to set up you know the the microbiome you know up until adulthood. So if you take a cesarean-born section, it's essentially born into a sterile environment and, you know, at the, what's at the discretion of the surgeon's gloves and and all that sort of stuff. So they're missing out on that. So basically what they're doing is, is yeah, is getting vaginal fluids, really, and um, and seeding the baby with, with those microbes. Um, and they're studying, and, you know, the, the studies that are coming out now are showing some promising results with that. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't realize the depth of it, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like it could be a podcast in itself, but it really is. I mean, that's kind of a, a simple example of a case where, you know, good bacteria can be, you know, is needed to ward off bad bacteria. So, yeah. and, and I guess kind of, so turning back to more on the topic of the gut health and microbiome, like you said, it's it's an issue that is has a lot of variables affecting it. There's a lot of lifestyle factors contributing it to it, but Specifically speaking, uh, like you mentioned, a lot of people are turning to fermented foods uh, to help uh, combat the issues. So I guess kind of to break it down in a simple as it gets, uh, beginner sort of way, what are we talking about when we say fermentation? What does that mean with food? 
Yeah, well, it's basically taking a, a food in its raw form and using natural, uh, using the natural uh, micro, microbes and microorganisms to break down that food product into some other form. So, for instance, sauerkraut, you take cabbage, you're using the, 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 the indigenous microbes that are on that cabbage, putting it into a specific environment. So you chop it, use a bit of salt, um, pack it in a jar that has no oxygen. So you're putting, basically setting up an environment that's conducive uh, for the proliferation of those, those friendly good bacteria um, that will break down the, the cabbage in, and, you know, after a set period of time, then you've got what's called sauerkraut. So, um, and in that is, you know, all the, you know, the good bacteria and, and microorganisms that we, that we want in our gut, basically. So that's one example. So traditionally, it was, it was a, a means of food preservation. So with that, you're essentially preserving food because we didn't have, obviously didn't have refrigeration. That's quite a new um, advancement in, in civilization and, and and largely responsible for a lot of these um, traditional food preparation techniques, you know, going out of favour. The problem with that is we're missing out when we're not if we're not you know doing these fermented foods, we're missing out on all the benefits that go with that. And there's plenty of benefits. I mean, this is this stuff's been studied extensively in the microbiology literature. Um, you know, things like sauerkraut. It's got you know you know a heap of research on the, the health benefits of that and then obviously probiotics prebiotics that's pretty well researched as well we see plenty of studies on on that stuff so yeah, yeah but the basic level is just that sort of breakdown of the of the of the food source by the the, the indigenous microorganisms well and that's and that's kind of what and like you said it was used traditionally as a means of preservation uh, a lot of like old sailors would carry barrels of sauerkraut with them because obviously it lasted longer than cabbage at sea and they didn't necessarily know that they were getting uh, consuming gut friendly bacteria they were doing it for the preservation means but there's also there's also then some alcohol as well but those aren't uh i guess i think it's confusing when a lot of people say fermented foods have probiotic bacteria because a lot of them don't so for instance like uh, i recently read national geographic was talking about fermentation and they mentioned fermented foods yada 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 they contain probiotic bacteria but technically speaking, Bud Light is a fermented food, right? And that doesn't have probiotic bacteria. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then, so then you're starting to get down to the the more microbiologically technical definitions of fermentation. What qualifies as fermentation? Um, so, in the sense that that I'm sort of dealing with with fermented foods, I'm I'm more or less talking about the lacto fermented vegetables. Um, and the probiotic drinks for the most part you will find um, fermented products will will contain probiotics okay and like you said you were you're talking about specifically lacto fermented vegetables and a lot of dairy ferments um but i think it's also uh important to point out because a lot of people uh especially in, i mean in america a lot of the pickles a lot of fermented vegetables that you'd buy in the store have been pasteurized or treated with vinegar so those aren't those mm. don't contain the good bacteria either, right? That's that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. So this is, I guess, I sort of live in a bit of a bubble with all this sort of stuff, and I guess um, you know I, I know what I'm looking for and know what know what the good stuff is. Yeah. But you, you're, de- you're dead right. There there are plenty of products out there that you know may pass off as sauerkraut or 
you know, some form of fermented food, but they're, they're, they're not. So, well, they are in some ways, but what in the processing, they've been basically killed. So, yeah, anything that's pasteurized, so if it's sitting on a shelf, generally it's not going to, um, you know, going to be a, you know, a real living probiotic food. So with, with the commercial fermented foods, you really want to be looking in the, in the refrigeration aisle, um, a little cold storage aisle for the, for the live living right. ferments. Um, so there's a distinct difference between pickling and, and fermenting. So pickling, you're using vinegar, so that high acetic acid um, uh, environment, which, which again, will, will most likely kill off the, the live living organisms. Right. So, so they, they might have to have sort of similar, similar characteristics in their flavor profile. Well, and, and like you said, and that's why it's kind of confusing because they, they taste very similar. I mean, the ones using vinegar, which is a, extremely acidic, whereas mm. the lacto-fermentation method, it also becomes very acidic. So the taste mm. and the texture, but don't be fooled because that sauerkraut sitting on the shelf at room temperature is not probiotic. I actually, uh, yeah. Time, Time Magazine uh, on their website, I saw them, they said, yeah, consume pickled foods to get your probiotics. And they mentioned like canned olives and just the, like pickles and stuff without making any distinction. And I think that's one big area of misconception. Yeah, they've, 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 uh, they've, <laughs> they've butchered that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so if you want to, uh, like you said, so that the research, I mean, the research is out there. I mean, uh, we have the bacteria in our gut. Uh, by mm. eating these foods, we can get more of the good bacteria. Um, obviously, like you said, there's a lot of benefits to this. So what is, um, as far as, short of going to the store and looking for the good stuff in the refrigerated section, could you give us, I know you kind of ran through a simple method, but could you give us a simple breakdown of what a, a, a batch of sauerkraut would look like to make it home? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly simple. Unfortunately, I, I mean, and this is one of the reasons why I teach fermented food workshops um, as well, and and I'm writing a book on this stuff, is that certain stages and, and key critical things that need to be adhered to and unfortunately a lot of the recipes online and even in some of the books are, are not honoring those those key steps um, and this is all defined in the peer-reviewed literature in the microbiology studies um, and the, the things I'm talking about are the, the, the jars that you're using so to create a, you know an anaerobic so if we're talking sauerkraut an anaerobic environment so devoid of oxygen the correct salt ratio, that's very important. So this is where it's important that you're actually weighing everything. So weighing the cabbage that you use, so making sure you not, not just the whole cabbage, what you're actually going to use. So once you've cored it, got rid of the core um, and the outer leaves, and you've chopped the cabbage up, that's the weight that you would want to use. And then you need to use the, the specific salt ratio that goes with that. So you, for optimal lacto-ferment with... Um, sauerkraut you're looking anywhere between sort of 1.5 minimum salt to up to three percent and bang on is about 2.25 percent so in other words if you're using if you had a uh, you know one kilogram i'm talking in in uh, australian yeah. weights yeah i don't, I don't know your, your I'll guys put some stuff conver- just I'll, confusing yeah, yeah i'll put you can, the conversions I'll yeah. Leave that too, yeah so if you're using a, a kilo one kilo of cabbage then 2.25 percent that is what 22.5 grams of salt basically okay um so that's quite important and it's important that you weigh so if you're just using you know teaspoons or tablespoon measurements um different salts have different weights right i mean you can all appreciate that some of the real a teaspoon of real fine salt is going to have a different weight to a teaspoon of um you know the real coarse salt so when we're dealing with something that has some specific 
um, some specifics to it, we need to have need to be cautious of that because if you go over too much salt, then you're inhibiting all the bacteria, and then it's again, it's like the antibiotics, right? It's leaving a blank slate okay, okay. for anything to come in and take over. If you're not using enough salt, it's not going to have the the right um, uh, salt ratio to inhibit enough of the bad bacteria. So that's important. The oxygen is important. A few other bits and pieces. I mean, I've got a few YouTube videos up on the basics of it all, and you know, the book will cover this into a you know into a heap of detail plus more. Um, but that's just an example of the basics. But um, yeah, I mean, it's okay. just it's for something that is relatively basic. I have seen too many online recipes um, that just you know aren't honouring these these important steps, and which is why I get emails consistently and private messages from people saying, "Oh, my crap didn't work. Can you tell me why?" Or I get pictures <laughs> of all these funky looking. So, like you said, I mean, in, in its most basic sense, you are submerging a vegetable in salt water, which is, I mean, you're like you said, you're setting the field for the good bacteria. You're getting rid mm. of the oxygen. You're putting salt, and that's inhibiting things like mold and promoting lactic acid bacteria growth. Uh, but like you said, it's interesting because it is so simple uh, on paper, but there is the very specific guidelines that need to be followed, and it's it's a safety thing uh, for sure. Mm. And, and like you've said, I've seen a lot of people online talking about making a sauerkraut and I feel like timing's confusing. A lot of people um, are only letting their vegetables sit out for like hardly any time at all. How, how long do you normally let your vegetables sit? That's another, another very good point and something that's, and it's something that's um, again, you see a lot of variances online. So, and this is what microbiologists will call the, the process is called, is called succession. Okay. which is the char- characteristic stages of fermenting. So, again, we'll take sauerkraut as our example. We'll be consistent across the board with it. So what happens is typically from day one to three, you'll have a certain, given the pH that's, that, that it is initially, certain bacteria and microorganisms that, are, that, are fav- that, that, that like that environment, basically. So they proliferate. And in that process, they, the pH changes and drops, drops more, a bit, uh, a bit more, becomes a bit more acidic, uh, which then favours... The environment for different sets of uh, microorganisms, and then they change the the process. So this these and, and this is fairly characteristic these these stages, and it's characteristic generally over the time frame of somewhere in the order of a month, maybe up to six weeks. Um, so again, if you're fermenting for say two or three days, like some recipes are saying, you're really um, missing out on that whole phase of fermentation. You, you're capping it way too potentially way too early it's possibly even dangerous because it may not have had enough time to to ward off the the the, the bad um bacteria that were that are on there because there's going to be some bad bacteria to start with um so they might not have died off at that point um so yeah the, the fermenting time is there is there's, there's a well-defined science to that okay. in microbiology yeah okay and that's what uh and so between the timing and some of the ratios between salt uh, and uh, you know the whole teaming up with bacteria. I know it can sound like it's getting a little complicated, but like mm. you said, if you, uh, I mean, you're like you said on your website and potentially your book once it comes out, or if someone's in Australia uh, and can attend one of your workshops, it is a fairly straightforward process once you learn it the first time, right? It is, and this is the thing. I, I mean, I try, I try not to to make it. It's probably starting to getting to that realm of starting to sound a little bit more complex, which is. With the workshops, I guess it's much easier to right. to demonstrate this and people to participate. And then it's it is really easy, but the, the, some of those things are probably 
especially to a new beginner, might be starting to sound a little, starting like, oh, this is getting a bit bit out of hand here. But it, it really is. <laughs> it's, I, I hate confusing people with it and I don't want people to be confused. It's just, um, yeah, there's just a few things that need to be adhered to. Yeah. Well, and the thing to remember is that, I mean, this has been done by cult, human cultures around the world for thousands of years. So, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, and uh, I, I haven't seen any, any research on anyone ever dying from fermented foods. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's good to know. Because <laughs> it's obviously that people would... I mean, that's one of the things that people say is, you know, am I going to poison my family and this and that. So, when done right, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't have any issues. And I've heard, uh, and I've uh, heard, I've, I think it's Sandra Katz who kind of says, like, if something goes really wrong it's going to smell pretty bad. Like you're going to have some mold. It's going to smell like you're going to (laughs) know. That's exactly right. And you're going to see signs of mold, like green fuzzy mold and black mold and things like that. And, and, and and you're right with the, in terms of smell, you know, innately as humans, we have that, we sort of, we know when something's not quite right. We all know what, you know, bad chicken smells like, and we're not going to eat it. And you're probably going to pick up the same with fermented foods. But I mean, when you ferment optimally and you do, you know, the techniques that I've sort of described there, um, I haven't had any batches go wrong anyway. So, but um, you know, if you were just mucking around with it, and trying it out, and something and it was starting to get mouldy and funky, then you, I, I suspect you would you would certainly smell that. Yeah, there'd be some red flags. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and so and so for you guys that are interested, uh, as long, assuming we haven't made it sound too complicated, and we've talked up the health benefits enough to get you interested. Uh, like I said, Jeremy on his website, he's got a lot of resources out there for people. And, um, but as, as far as someone who isn't able to get into the store, like we said, I think that big thing to point out is that there usually are some probiotic foods in your local grocery store. You just got to know where to look. Um, like Jeremy said, the refrigerated section, it shouldn't contain vinegar. Most yogurts that have good bacteria, probiotic bacteria, they're going to say it right on the label. So just read your label a little bit, do a little research, um, and, uh, and I think that I think that pretty much wraps it up for today, Jeremy. Yeah. But uh, there's, just, there's, there's a couple of things I wouldn't mind mentioning if you don't mind. Either. Yeah, yeah. Go. Um, so just just to just to be, just to clarify, um, I mean, like we said before, this is this is one component of the whole gut health thing. So I just want people to be clear that um, you know fermented foods they are quite powerful in in you know their the, the probiotics and everything that they contain, and it's not for everyone to start with. And Generally, to the degree that someone reacts to fermented foods is an indication that there might be some sort of serious dysbiosis or out-of-balance bacteria going on, and that's generally a good indication that some you know, functional testing and, and investigations possibly should be looked at, and you should, you should really take that on board. I mean, this is something I do clinically in practice. I consult with people with, you know, I do fecal microbial analysis and look at the breakdown of you know, what's going on in people's guts, and, and um, you know, some people for a certain period of time while they're healing their gut may uh mental foods may not be right for them at that point in time they may need you know to do some healing work first to then build up um you know some stability in the gut and um get things you know healing in the right direction before these things are um uh, uh, implemented in and so it's not it's not another case of it's perfect for everyone there's right. definitely some limitations it, it is quite strong and i think you know once everything's once everything's all in line and, and things you know health track is on on the right right direction then you can start implementing and it's not something that you need to do a lot of you know four pool or two with fermented foods with every meal is sufficient it's not something you need to have you know meals and meals worth it's it's it, they have quite um quite a lot of uh um probiotics in there 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's so we start off. No, don't don't go chug a, a jar of sauerkraut juice the first day that you decide to get probiotics, right? Probably, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So starting small. That's good to know. That's good to know. Um, okay. And uh, I think it's an exciting time for people to kind of get interested in it. This isn't something that's just going to fall away. Like it's not just a, a fad thing. I think you'll see this will only go from strength to strength. Um, well, and when you talk about yeah. when you talk about these foods, I mean, it's it's in the in the timeline of humanity in the next couple hundred years when we look at it the fad the trend will be to not eat fermented foods because it's really mm. only a short uh, period in human history that we haven't been consuming yeah. them when you I yeah guess... it, it's exactly right yeah it's just it's missed that sort of period but um yeah yeah so it is so it is exciting to see it's yeah it's it's been fun to watch the the pickle aisle grow at my local grocery store obviously kombucha is the big one that's completely blown up is that is that huge in australia as well that's that's the one that's gaining more traction now. It's still, that's probably my least of the least favorite of the ones. And in terms of research and things like that, I don't think it has as quite as much as some of the other ferments. I just think there's there's way more um, health benefits to be to be gained from the lacto fermented vegetables as opposed to some of those beverages. You know, we're yeah. still talking sugars with those sugars feed right. the kombucha and things like that. So, and I just I'm not I'm not convinced with the amount of sugars that some of them are saying in their labels. That's a whole other story. So I'm just I'm just I'm a little hesitant on those. I'm more about the, the vegetables, to be honest. Yeah, and you know, uh, that's interesting that you mentioned that. And, and I, it's a topic, kombucha is something that that's, I'm actually uh, recently got a little skepticism of because it seemed the yeast, the amount of yeast mm. in kombucha, I mean, when you look at um, humans utilization of yeast in a lot of cases it's to prepare grains in which case you cook it or to prepare alcohol in which case the alcohol content ends up affecting things yeah i mean this this is something that's been racking my brain a little bit um and i've been looking through the the literature on kombucha and trying to find what yeast strains are in it and um there's, there's definitely some published papers on pubmed and i'm in the process of going through those at the moment and that's certainly one of the areas where, <clears throat> where i definitely have my um my concerns or and I'm not too sure about is what's going on with the yeast and so what I can say clinically when I deal with you know these fecal microbial analysis and people's gut health a lot uh, consistently people do come do come up running high in, in yeast um, so you know candida and things like that so I just I just not too sure I mean there's people will argue then that you know that, that they're that they're the good strains of yeast and they're right. going to crowd out the bad yeast um, maybe that's true I'm just I don't I, I'm just not too sure <laughs> yet and yeah. to be honest you know clinically I, I just see a, enough patients that react to kombucha and some of these yeast containing foods more so than they do with um with, with the other you know lacto fermented types of foods so I, I yeah, I just I'm not convinced just yet. I, I I'm looking forward to seeing more data and um and more research on it and 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 going from there. And I and I think like you said the the uh kind of you mentioned that the, the lack of sort of the clinical evidence. But for me, a big thing with food is you're able uh kind of look at what what foods have been consumed by healthy cultures for thousands of years which which foods have stood the test of time and while a lot of kombucha advocates say that it has i mean when you look at the other like things like sauerkraut and a lot of these other vegetables i mean they really like we really know that these are mm. they have been a part of human diets all over the world for a really long time i mean that, that's the show i mean it's, it's you know it, you can the, the process of doing a lacto fermented vegetable is pretty archaic i mean you know they could we could have taken 
pottery or whatever and you know it could submerge vegetables under rocks and different things whereas kombucha i'm just thinking like the day <laughs> been brewing tea and had some crazy mushroom looking live yeasty bacterial scoby i just don't know like i've never really thought of it like that and just thinking out loud now but yeah i don't know it's just i think it's i don't think we have the answers for everything and um you know, talk to me in a year's time and I might may change my stance altogether yeah. on, on these. But just clinically, I've just seen you know, enough signs that that's my stance at this point in time with it. Yeah. Well, and, and stay tuned. I like that. In one year, we'll do a follow-up on on what we think about kombucha. But but for mm. now, I think, and the, but the big thing about it is if, if the answer is probiotic, I mean, if you're looking for probiotic, gut-friendly bacteria, uh, maybe kombucha has it. I mean, but Pickled vegetables definitely do, right? I mean, so that's that's the real well, point. Well, fermented vegetables. Right, right. Let's, sorry, let's be sorry. careful with the word. Yeah, people. yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't want people like right. No vinegar, no room temperature. Okay, and uh, so obviously the resources on your on your website uh, have more information for anyone looking for them. What are what are some of the other best ways to connect with you? What social media platforms uh, should people reach out on if they want to follow you? Yeah, my my Facebook page, Holistic Lifestyler, and my Instagram, Holistic Lifestyler. Um, probably the two that's where I'm most active on, on those two. Um, and then the website. Yeah. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, yeah. Is there anything else on the, on the topic that you, that you want to mention? Um, oh, like I said, we could be here for, for days <laughs> talking about all, all this sort of stuff, and which is why I'm writing a book, I suppose, with, you know, to cover all this. But, um, I mean, there's, there is a hell of a lot of stuff I haven't covered. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in terms of, you know, the gut stuff in it, 95% of serotonin synthesized by the microbes in the gut. Um, which is the you know your feel good neurotransmitter, so it's not actually in the brain; it's the it's the gut, and it's a product of fermentation. Same with dopamine; you're looking at at least fifty percent um, histamines, all these neurotransmitters. That, like I said, you know we could be here for, <laughs> we for could hours, hours and days, <laughs> but um, it's just hard to give it justice in such a short period of time. I've tried to hit hit on some of the more important things, but really we've we've scratched the surface. Well, and that's and that was kind of the purpose of of a, a talk this short, you know, wet people's appetite and maybe get them interested and uh, and you know hopefully maybe they'll get their hands hands on your book and they can they can dig into more of it. But like you said, the mm. the, the gut health, I mean, what it's being linked to, and in the book, the second brain, uh, I forgot the author's name, but he talks about that uh, the concept that we think of our brain as kind of calling the shots. But like you said, the gut is the is what's responsible for a lot of our, you know, it kind of tells the brain how to react and you know how it's going to. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, in, yeah. in reality, it's, it's bi-directional. So, you know, the gut will influence, influence the brain, the brain will influence the gut. You know, then you've got stress and all these other things that, that go on as well. Um, you know, so, so stress will have implications on the gut, which then will then tie back into the brain. So it, it's that, it's that bi, bi-directional flow between the two. So you really, it's hard to, you know, say which is, which is more important than the other, but, um, the microbes are, you know, certainly a huge part of it, as we've discussed. Yeah, and 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 like and like you said, obviously there's a there's a lot of different factors contributing to it. But uh, I, from fermentation, from what a lot of the research says, that's eating fermented foods. It's one you know little step, one potential uh, step that can be taken. And uh, and just uh, just real quick, kind of wrapping things up here, I got to ask, uh, what's what's a meal look like for someone who is in the pursuit of a holistic lifestyle? I mean, what's what's <laughs> what's, what's what's dinner look like for you tonight? If you knew how many times I get asked this on a daily basis, <laughs> but okay, I, 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 
subscribe to bio, biochemical individuality. So, you know, one man's food is another man's poison, you know, and like we're saying with the fermented foods, it's maybe not right for some people at a certain period of time. So I think it, what what is ideal for us as a diet fluctuates from day to day, week to week, month to month, um, seasonality, all that sort of stuff. But um, I generally, to keep it simple, subscribe to, like I guess, a paleo template. Um, I don't necessarily agree 100% with paleo. Um, I can't say any one specific way of way of eating. I think that's we've seen that culturally over um, numerous examples with tribes and things like that. That different different people are going to thrive on different different foods. Well, I think uh, that's exactly right. I mean, the the fact that we know there are uh, populations with high amounts of centurions who eat a very you know meat based diet. There are populations who are more of a vegetarian diet. So. Like you said, you know, it's and I think that's a really a refreshing approach that you take because so many people seem to flaunt a diet like it is the uh, silver bullet to human nutrition, and I think mm. uh, more and more research is yeah. showing that's not true. Um, I think, we, and we should probably maybe pay more closer attention to the, just the quality of food too. So maybe forget the the diet philosophy and think maybe more along the the quality of the food. So you know, you know, paleo diet or you know more diets that are inclusive of more meats probably got more of a bad rap because if you look at you know conventionally farmed animals you know that's that, that's something i do not agree with at all so um and i think that you know the, the negative effects from some of those diets might be more from the actually the, actually the quality of food as opposed to the actual diet itself so and same goes with with produce you know you know i'm a firm believer of organic and biodynamic farming and um yeah, so I think maybe people get sort of fixated on diet, this diet and that diet, but maybe pay closer attention to more the, the quality of the food. Well, and it's interesting you mention that because that's the, it seems like in America for sure, it's, that's sort of the reductionist approach that we want to ask. We want to say, are sweet potatoes healthy? Is wheat mm-hmm. healthy? And when you when you look at it, like you said, the quality, like, I mean, where was it farmed? Where did it come from? Because that can affect the nutritional content. Um, also, the, exactly. env- the environmental factors to it. But then there's also the fact of preparation because when someone says, you know, is wheat healthy, it's like a handful of wheat would give you a stomach ache and properly prepared sourdough you could live on for a while. So, you know, you yeah. can't really just say one thing and, and is, is it, good or bad. Is it hybridized wheat? And exactly. All that exactly. sort of stuff. There's, there's, there's definitely lots of variables and, you know, the more you know, the worse it is and, you know, eventually you can get paralysis by analysis. But um, <laughs> Paralysis by analysis. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then, and then, and then it just becomes stressful and, you know, they so, say... You can't get too stressed about your food, I suppose, but... Because um, that's not good for yeah. digestion either, right? Stress isn't it? <laughs> 100%, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, uh, well, Jeremy, I think that's I think that's about all we got for today. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, thanks for having me. Once again, that was Jeremy Princey from HolisticLifestyler.com. If you are interested in keeping up with his projects, learning more about home fermentation, or just seeing what he's got going on in his own kitchen, head over to his website, Find him on social media. Check out his book when it ends up being published. Uh, He's got a killer Instagram feed. A lot of cool stuff on there. Highly recommend giving that a scroll. Once again, my name is Ivor Margerison from thefoodflow.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys next time.